the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week, all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Foot Locker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson & Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of Robotic Process Automation or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 147 of Magic Markets and what a great show this is going to be. Mo and I have been busy the past few shows dealing with international companies, local companies, often sort of contrasting the two all made possible by B2IT and today we have invited our friend, fellow trader, fellow podcaster and a very well-known figure in the markets. That's Garth McKenzie of traderscorner.co.za and the Talking with Traders podcast. More on that just now. First, I'm going to say hello to Mo and then Garth, very excited to have you on. So hello, Mo. Hi, Ghost. Always a pleasure doing this with you, but uh, more so in having Garth McKenzie on the show. You know, I think uh, Garth is always great to chat to. We've both chatted to him historically. We know I know Garth from like a gazillion years ago when he was still down in South Africa. He now has the uh, unenviable pleasure of sitting up in the UK. And just before going on the record, we we're calling it Mud Island. But people in glass houses, or in my case, let me say ice houses, shouldn't throw stones, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, guys. Hello, Mo. Hello, Ghost. It's, it's good to be with you guys again. It's uh, always great to catch up with the two of you. Yeah, it's very nice to have you on here. So I've been on uh, your Talking With Traders podcast twice. Mo's been on there once. I mean, read into that what you will. Maybe he just gets through the content twice as quickly. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> either either way, it's very cool to be able to cross-pollinate this. And, and yeah, Garth, you're in the UK now. So I hope you still have Springbok tops and that sort of thing in the cupboard because otherwise it's going to be a very sore weekend for you this coming weekend when England loses twice. Oh, yeah, no. Believe me, I still have my Springbok kit, and I'm actually I have the the bragging rights right now. I've got tickets to the to the final, so no. I am very much looking You're going forward to the to, final. I am. I'm going to the final, so oh I'm, my gosh. I'm very Just get excited. Off, Just get out. Get out. <laughs> very excited to to see the box play the All Blacks. How do you get hold of those? Did you have to like give blood samples and DNA tests and win a lottery? No, so my situation is unique. I actually didn't even pay for the ticket to rub salt in the wound a bit more. My brother and his partner is the chief marketing officer at Fly Safe. So, uh, and Fly Safe sponsors the Springboks, so they get tickets and I got a ticket through that. So we're all going uh, to Paris and going to watch the box. Can't wait. You've already answered the question of your best trade of the year. There's no point in asking it because we now know what it is. It's getting rugby final tickets for free. <laughs> I think yeah. everyone listening to this right now feels slightly ill. <laughs> but that's amazing. I'm very, very fortunate. Absolutely. But look, I mean, I, I must say I haven't been to any of the other games, which is a pity since I'm just across the English Channel from France. 
Uh, and I'm very sorry that I wasn't there to witness that match on the weekend against France because that was just an unbelievable rugby match. Yeah, when Mo is in Canada, I don't think they know what rugby is, Mo. You'd be surprised. I think I, I, I think it's, it's, not, it's bigger than just the South African diaspora here in, in Canada. They kind of know what it is, but uh, certainly not on the same level as South Africa or you know, whatever, Wales, New Zealand, any any other country. Canada has, they do have a rugby team. So there is rugby. I know there are a couple of rugby clubs, but it's, it, it, it doesn't have... They've been in World Cups before, haven't they? Yeah, but it's, it's not it's not the same vibe. If I can put it that way, it's just not the same vibe. It's not the same gears, you know, I'm going to use that word. So it's, it's here. They know what rugby is. They have a rugby team, but it's not the same rugby, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not like it's a religion like in South Africa. We should probably talk about markets at some point. Now that we're all feeling very jealous of you, Goth, but I'm glad that we know you're going to the final. That's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, when the box in the final, we'll be thinking of you. But uh, obviously, uh, what we've brought you here for is not to discuss the ins and outs of rugby, much as that is a lot of fun, but rather to talk a little bit about trading and investing and, and obviously just get some of your insights for our Magic Markets listeners. And I think what's really interesting is, you know, during the pandemic, when interest rates were low and everything was going up, literally everything, you know, everyone was an investing genius. It was easy to make money. There were a lot of people talking about stocks. I mean, there's definitely been... Um, a big uh, drop off in that kind of thing happening online. I don't know if you've seen the same, but we certainly have noticed that. And now, of course, it's a lot harder. And that's where trading becomes quite interesting because obviously investing is a different mindset. It's a different approach. And for investing to work, you need things to be going up. You know, when people talk about investing, they don't normally talk about shorting. They don't really talk about short term trades. Trading is completely different, right? I mean, technically, traders can make money as long as there's volatility. That's the ingredient, right? Yes, that's right. And, and I mean, just to your point about the guys that were bragging about all the money they were making during the pandemic and when the markets are just going up and up and up, you know, there's a saying in the markets that don't, don't confuse a bull market with intelligence. And I think a lot of those guys have, have now learned that, you know, it's easy in a bull market, anybody can make money, you just buy whatever is going up and it keeps going up. But you're right, in a more difficult market like what we're facing now, it, it is certainly you know, more of a trader's market. You have to be more skilled in terms of what you're doing. And like you said, when you're a trader, you can go long and short. So, you know, you can profit from the market moving to the downside. But that also comes with its risks. And also you need to, you know, you need to understand those risks and manage those risks. So, yes, I mean, it's, it's I guess it is more of a trader's market at the moment where there's a bit more volatility around the VIX is a bit higher right now than it's been at any point in the last six months. So I suppose that in itself tells you that there's more volatility around. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, you need that volatility to trade the market. I'm going to jump in, Garth, because I think you, you've touched on a couple of interesting points. I mean, yes, the VIX is a bit higher than it's been over the last couple of months, but you know, it's just been remarkably so low for so long if you look at it in a much wider historical kind of spectrum, right? If you look at a much longer term lens, I want to just touch on a point. I mean, you've been doing this a lot longer than, than even me, Garth. I think you were in the markets like four or five years before I even, you know, started out there. So, you know, a lot, a lot of wisdom to come through, but so much of trading is around psychology. And, you know, you had mentioned that anecdote to say that, you know, don't confuse a bull market with intelligence. But sometimes it's almost like don't confuse a bear market with the lack of intelligence. You know, how, how do you get out of your head. I'll ask you that question directly because I find sometimes that's my biggest hurdle as well is that sometimes, you know, you get smacked around, the markets are difficult, you know, uh, sometimes it's just about relative underperformance versus rather than losing money, it's just relative underperformance. You know, you're losing out to all of these people who aren't 
formally trained, who don't have the years and years of, of experience, how do you keep your head on track? Because that goes firmly in terms of sticking to your trading strategy. And those go hand in hand. If you can't keep your head in the right zone, you're going to actually just blow yourself up, right? Yeah, yeah. I think what what probably is the most important thing is to just know what your risk tolerance is and to manage your risks accordingly. Some people think that if you're a trader, you, you know, you're swinging for the fences and making big profits and big losses and whatever. That's not actually how you should be doing it. Good trading is usually quite boring and you need to be very, very understanding of the risks but also you need to go into each trade knowing exactly what your risk is and, and what I mean by that is you need to go into each trade understanding how much money you could potentially lose you have to have a stop loss with every trade in other words like the name says a stop loss it's where you stop the losses from occurring and you need to then also know when that stop loss gets triggered how much money are you going to lose and you need to go into every trade accepting that up front because you know this is a probabilities game at the end of the day that's what we're doing we are playing the probabilities and you obviously want the probabilities to be skewed in your favor so in other words better than 50 50 and you can achieve that with certain methods and technicals and so on but at the end of the day you've got to go in knowing that there is a probability that you're going to lose money and that is a part of trading um, and and i mean to to steal a line from Tom Hogard, who's just written a book of this title, The Best Loser Wins. And it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it is. In trading, you've got to know how to lose. And you've got to know that when you lose, you lose a little bit. But also know that losses are a part of the business. It's, it's like, you know, if you ran a restaurant, you would have to pay for the cost of raw materials, of food. That's a business cost. In trading losses are a part of the cost of doing business and you just got to accept that and then of the other end of that spectrum of course you've got to know that you know you, when you are winning and you've got to, you put a good trade on you need to try and maximize the winners your winners generally need to be bigger than your losers or if you've got a setup which gives you you know winners and losses that are of a similar size then you need to make sure that your system's giving you a lot more winners than losing trades but in, in the type of trading that I do, it's generally, you know, try and keep the loss small, try and make sure that when you do make a profit, it's two to three times bigger than the losing trades. And also try and make sure that more than 50% of the trades are, are winners. Garth, just in terms of the different types of traders, so at one end of the spectrum, you've obviously got people who are actually trading for a living, which I suppose is the hardest, right? Because you literally eat what you kill. Like that's maximum pressure. That's your salary in inverted commas. And then I guess at the other end of the spectrum, you have people who, you know, it's not really trading, but when they invest in a stock, they're not necessarily saying, okay, I'll put this in the bottom drawer for 10 years, although very few people I think actually do that. You know, they have a shorter term play, maybe they do a bit of swing trading. And then I guess there are people, I would imagine in the middle, you know, they're buying ETFs, they're kind of building their wealth that way. And then around the fringes, they're taking a pot of money and they're saying, okay, like this is my trading pot, you know, let's see how I do. Has that been your kind of experience with people in the market and, and the way they approach this? Yes, very much so. So there, I mean, there's, there are obviously all those different types. Um, the first lot you mentioned are those who actually trade for a living. And that is by far and away the hardest part of the, It's the hardest thing to do. I, I, I don't trade for a living. I trade to try and grow my capital and to try and make money. But I don't, you know, go... Uh, to bed every night thinking oh well you know i need to to make money tomorrow trading in order to pay the bills 
I've got other things that do that for me, my podcast, my website, my various other things that I'm involved with, which are risk-free income sources. And that also helps to then give me the, the sort of the psychological confidence to trade. I think if you are, are thinking that you're going to you know, have to start every month at zero and your ability to pay the bills at the end of the month is entirely dependent on whether you make money trading or not, that is a very, very very difficult psychological thing to get right. Um, so those people that I know who do trade for a living have a couple of things in place. First of all, they often got a lot of money already. Um, they've invariably also got some other sort of passive income, be that from a share portfolio that pays dividends, or maybe they've got uh, rental properties that they you know earn rent income on, or they've maybe got a business uh, which which is outside of their trading. But they all I, have Instagram I, accounts. They all have that in common as well. It's very important. <laughs> Those are the ones to be the most aware of, the, the most cautious <laughs> of, the ones with yes. Instagram accounts and the ones that are going around flaunting their Lamborghinis and Rolex watches. Good old Wen Lambo. Haven't seen that in a long time. Not yeah. since crypto got absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is actually there was, I mean, we're going to digress a little bit here, but on that note, you know, when crypto got absolutely slaughtered, there was a... Um, quite a glut of Mercedes G63 G-Wagons for sale here in the UK. And the, the, the talk of the town was that it was all the crypto boys who had lost their shirts and suddenly they were giving up their G-Wagons, whether Amazing. there's any truth or not. <laughs> so they didn't even get to the Lambos. They didn't even make it to the Lambos. They must have put some money in FTX and then away it w went. When G-Wagon doesn't have the same ring to <laughs> no, it, right? it really doesn't. <laughs> No, it really doesn't. But I mean, Garth, there's an important point in there for our listeners, which is, you know, just be wary of that classic dream of, okay, I'm going to learn trading. I mean, I've heard that way too many times, you know, I'm going to learn trading and make a lot of money from it. I mean, if it was that easy, guys, you know what, everyone would be a trader and life would be very simple. And people don't think about the amount of capital you need. You touched on that point. Like, just work it out. You know, if you're going to eat what you kill, and you, I mean, what does a good month of trading look like? What is, a, what is a really strong month of trading in terms of a percentage return? I guess it's a silly question because it can vary. It, it absolutely can vary. And it also depends on your style of trading. But, you know, in my world, I would say if I'm making on average 4% per month, I consider that an excellent month. And that's what I strive to try and achieve. I don't often achieve that on average, actually. You know, more realistic is to probably say, well, can you do... 2% a month consistently. That's a really good return. That's a good return. That's, you know, when you compound that up, that's more than 30% per annum. That's an excellent return on an annualized basis, especially if you can do it consistently. So, you know, you can then work the numbers back from there and say, okay, well, if I need, you know, X to live on, uh, how much capital do I need if I, if I am confident enough that I can make 2% or 3% a month? And you'll realize it becomes quite a lot of money. But the capital is not the only part of it. Like we said, you know, you actually also need ideally some other sort of passive income source just to tide you over in the dif difficult times. I also think, you know, being debt free is important. And then, of course, experience, you know, that's that's the, the big one. You need to have experience at being a profitable trader in your part time or in your spare time before you should even start thinking about going full time. And, and so you, you made the point, you know, people come to you and say, oh, I think I'm going to, you know, give up my job and start trading for a living. And I get a lot of people approaching me with that as well. They ask the question, um, is it possible? Can I do it? What do I need to put in place? And it terrifies me when I hear of people wanting to do that. 
because that movie never ends well you know so so to cut off a, a, a safe income stream and cut quit a job in order to think that you're going to go and trade successfully for a living the odds are so so heavily stacked against you that i, I really it terrifies me when people want to do that I think, I mean, just, just recapping some of the stuff you've touched on, right? You, you've discussed having the right win-loss ratio. You know, that's, that's just, that goes into idea generation. And I have a question about that just now. You've touched on risk control, which I think always comes out like top of the list. It's risk control, it's stop losses. I mean, quite recently, a, a real world example is I was quite convinced that maybe we had reached a short-term topping out in terms of U.S. yields. So I put a position on in TLT, which is effectively U.S. 20 years, uh, but again, knew exactly how much capital I was willing to risk and put a, a proper stop loss in place. All I can say is thank God, because it fell through that. I got triggered, you know, kind of stop lost out of the position and it could have been a lot uglier. And th these are real world stories. These are coming from people like yourself, myself. You, you've been in the seat for a very long time. Even you and I will take losses because that goes to your other point. It's like paying school fees. It's you've got to buy a ticket to the game. And yes, you have to pay for these tickets. It's not like Garth getting, getting his rugby tickets is circling back to that. But I want, I want to bring in a question. It's not just a long kind of recap there. It's, it's a question around idea generation. Idea generation is quite important. Some people just generally tend to look at indices, for example. In that instance, it's more technically orientated. You look at support resistance levels and you trade around that. Maybe that's your style. Some people look for the next interesting, exciting idea or a stock idea or something like that. What is your style, Garth? And where do you look to for your inspiration around your idea generation? Yeah, so my, my style is predominantly technical analysis focused. So I'm looking at charts. I'm looking at relative strength of sectors versus sectors or stocks versus sectors, etc. And that's that's really what what, you know, what gets me in, interested in the market. I have quite a rigorous process that I go through over the weekend where I look through quite a broad watch list of instruments. And it's not just things that I'm going to trade. It's also things that I just want to watch because I'm interested to know what they're doing. Things like yields that you mentioned or the oil price or the you know US dollar index um, or all the major global indices around the world. These are all things that I'm not necessarily going to trade, but I still want to know what they're doing from a bigger picture perspective. Um, and and generally speaking, I'll, I'll tease out a list of stocks or indices from that weekend research, which are looking interesting and identify some key levels to be watching, whether they be support levels or resistance levels that I'm watching for breakouts or whatever. But effectively through that process, pull out a bunch of stock charts that are looking interesting and potentially actionable for the week ahead and basically say, right, if this chart hits this level and it bounces off there, that support, then I'm going to buy. Or if X chart buy, you know, breaks out above this resistance level, that's the point to buy it. Or vice versa, if something breaks down below a support, maybe that's the level to look to short it. But the point is, have a look and i find doing this outside of market hours is is the best time to do it because that's when you can do your most rational thought there's not prices moving and flings flickering on your screen constantly to distract you you're actually able to sit and do your most rational thoughts during that time and then when the market's open you then put that plan into action so that's that's sort of the way i do it um, and that that w watch list that i develop over the weekend kind of gets revisited throughout the week to then check if levels are being 
tested or whether they're close. I also then put in a lot of alerts uh, based on the levels I've identified because obviously I've only got one pair of eyes and I can't watch everything all the time. So the trading platform that I use allows me to put alerts in when a price hits a certain level or whether it breaks a certain level. And then I get an alert either on my platform or on my phone to tell me that this you know stock is at this price and that was the level I was looking to, to potentially buy it or, or whatever. And the frequency of trading will obviously drive the strategy. So I think a lot of people were sitting at home in the pandemic and that's literally where this whole day trading kind of game came from. That's why crypto is so insane and everything else. A lot of people are now back at work or at least, you know, busy like, you know, we always used to be. So for those who are now trading more actively in their portfolios, they do have less time, I think, to look on average. And I guess it also means that they're looking for maybe different patterns to someone who's more of a short-term, high-frequency type trader. You know, longer-term mindset is more like swing trading. And maybe it's worth just talking a little bit about that. And, and obviously, as that time horizon, or my view is, as that time horizon extends, then some more like fundamental analysis starts to come into it. Almost a little bit more like what we do in Magic Markets Premium, actually, where we kind of marry the two. It's that like swing trade mindset of, okay, you know, six months ahead, three months ahead. So maybe worth just touching on, you know, your views on that. You know, at what point does it go from technicals into fundamentals? How do you use that and think about it? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, mean, I don't only look at, at uh, technicals. I do also keep abreast of the fundamentals as well, uh, because I think you have to. You can't be oblivious to the fundamentals. You know, you have to know, you know just the basics. Not You don't have to know necessarily the deep intricacies of, of a company that you're trading, but... You know, you need to know some of the basics. You need to know when earnings are. You need to know and then there's dividends going to be paid. You need to know what sort of trends are going on, on in the industry of the company that you're following, etc. So yes, there is an overlap of fundamentals and technicals. You, you, you talked about day trading. So now my style is not really day trading. Um, day trading is where you're buying and selling intraday and trying to make your money during the day. And you often you use, you, you're trying to trade for relatively small moves, but you go home at the end of the day flat in other words, you don't have any positions on, and that's day trading. My style is more swing trading, which is what you alluded to, where you you have a holding time that's anything from a couple of days to maybe a couple of weeks, or maybe even a bit longer, a couple of months in some cases, and you're looking to try and capture the bigger moves. So my frequency of trading is, is not actually that often. I, I'm not trading every day. Uh, I'm probably putting on you know, maybe, I don't know, between 5 to 10, maybe 15 trades in a month, if that. Uh, but it does depend on the number of opportunities that come up during that time. But for, for my purposes, I find that trading less is better. You know, the more you trade, the more costs you incur, the more commissions you incur. And, and, and it works for some people. So, you know, there's not one way to do this that's right and another way that's wrong. There are day traders who are very successful and they do well at it. And that's great for them. I'm just not wired that way. And, and I think to this point, you know, you need to find a trading style that fits with your personality type. So some people are cut out for day trading and they like that fast action in and out and being, you know, staring into the screen all day. I don't. I, I like to get away from the screen a bit. And in actual fact, I find often time away from the screen is better for me. Because if I'm st staring at the screen too closely, often that's when you kind of can it can suck you in and force you to make you know rash decisions or do things that you maybe didn't think about properly. So so I find having a healthy distance away from the screens is good. It it incurs less commissions, as I said, 
and also then it allows you to actually play out those bigger picture views without staring into the screen getting worried about every single tick up and down on the market yeah i think i mean that's that's so spot on and i almost want to share a story here in that you know during the covid pandemic when we were all literally just stuck at home doing nothing that time away from the screen which i also tend to enjoy quite a bit garth actually was was absent and i then found myself you know i set up a little small portfolio and i was day trading just for fun and it was the worst thing i could ever imagine like like i just i didn't enjoy it, it was very stressful I think to your point, when you're sitting staring at the screen, you almost compel yourself into making decisions when you shouldn't. They should be, you should sit on your hands because that's also a trade. That's a trading discipline, right? It's sitting on your hands and that's what forces you into making mistakes. But I, I have one last question I want to sneak in here and, and just cognizant of time in our shorter format. But the question I want to sneak in is one I've been grappling with a little bit because I speak to a couple of traders as well. I've got some partners in other businesses. And when you look at strategy, I want to ask what your strategy is specifically on a particular metric of are you a momentum trader? Do you tend to kind of chase momentum, let your positions ride? Or do you tend to be someone who looks at things as mean reverting and entering trades that are maybe counter trend? You know, because that's that's important for me. They're two very distinct styles. And uh, yeah, what's, what's your current stance? So you're right. There are two distinct styles. Um, but I think that they work in different market environments. So the momentum strategy that you alluded to tends to work in a trending market, be that uptrending bull market or downtrending bear market. Um, and, and there are various different technical setups that I look for in those types of markets. But the market doesn't trend all the time. It, it, there are a lot of times where it just chops around a little bit like it's doing at the moment. And in those sort of times, you actually need to be willing to try and adapt or, or change strategy, find a strategy that's more suitable for that type of market environment. And to that point, then now you would be maybe looking for more the mean reversion type of strategies, or perhaps something that's a little bit shorter term in nature and until such time as we get back to a trending market where you can you know look for your if we get it back into a bull market at some point and i mean some will argue we are still in a bull market which here we are but i think when you scratch below the surface you'll realize there's not actually not everything's in a bull market there's a lot of stocks particularly in the u.s that are not in a bull market so that it's 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 not it's it's not a bull market everywhere there. But having said that, yeah, I mean, when you get if we get back into this proper bull market type of phase, then one can look to those like continuation patterns and so on, which you look to try and trade in a momentum trading strategy. Yeah, as the fundamentals guy on the call, I guess what I find interesting is the mean reversion type market because it just feels a little bit more like valuations matter. In those momentum markets, when it's one way or the other, I mean, obviously, when things just keep going up, it's a game of musical chairs, you know, and eventually you are the schmo who, you know, bought at the top and then you sit 40% down and you don't know what happened to you. Perfect example, we're, we're recapping LVMH, Goth, this week. So, I mean, we did it in May and we called it as being like really expensive and extended and it has been, you know, and all the signs were there of the hype trade, you know, the CEO's face on the magazines, like all the stuff you need to worry about, all the signs of a top Sometimes it's easier to spot those tops than others, right? Often the momentum is very hard to guess when it's going to, you know, potentially come to an end. But it's, it's really, really good insights to understand, yeah, I suppose just how, you, just how you think about the markets and how you look at these different environments. Because trading a bear market, trading a bull market, trading a sideways market, actually three different skills, three different approaches. They are. And, and the thing is, if you try and apply, you know, one of, let's say you try and apply the, the, the bull market or the trending market strategy in a, in a sideways choppy market, you're just going to end up getting very, very frustrated. 
and vice versa. If you try and apply this, the choppy trading strategy into a trending market, that's also going to frustrate you. So you need to apply a strategy that is appropriate to the market that you're in at the time. The difficulty comes with the fact that sometimes you don't know you're in that type of market for a while. Uh, so it's, it's always very easy to look back and say, oh, well, yeah, we've been in a trending market the last six months. But, you know, six months ago, did you know that? Well, maybe no, no, maybe not. At that stage, you still thought it was a it was a choppy sideways market. So the charts always easier in hindsight. It always looks much uh, much always. easier. Yes, always, always, uh, yeah. It's always easy in in hindsight to look back at a chart and say, oh yeah, yeah, I would have bought there and sold there, and it's so easy until you're at the right edge. The, the what's it called? The hard right edge of that chart, where it's, where you know it's decision time, and you've got to try and predict which movement is coming next. That's not so easy. And God, that's exact. That's exactly why they say it's, it's not just technical analysis. That's uh, that's an art. It's an art more than a science, right? It's a couple of other disciplines as well. But technical analysis, trading, definitely a little bit of art going into that rather than just pure science. Absolutely right. It's it's a little bit of art, a little bit of science, a little bit of maths. I don't know. It's you know mixed in with some emotional resilience and risk management. It's a funny old game, this. But it's 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 certainly not. Uh, paint by numbers that's for sure it, it requires some fairly unique skills which which don't actually come naturally to most people they need to be learned over time yeah i think that's one thing i love about trading it, it is something you work at and you work at and you work at and when i speak to people it is it's something that's just really interesting you know without a doubt i can understand why people get so hooked on it so i think garth we probably we probably out of time on this show but i i, I mean i want to give a very personal recommendation of your talking with traders podcast i really enjoy listening to it i don't just listen to it because you know you've kindly invited me a couple of times i've listened to a number of episodes i really enjoy it so i'd certainly recommend to our listeners you know if you're listening to this podcast you obviously enjoy these types of podcasts go listen to talking with traders it will really add to your insights into your knowledge and your understanding so you know well done and you're on season like what five or six by now we seven yeah seven. we've actually just started season seven now so yeah it's been going for over three years so it, it's quite quite cool you know originally ig markets uh, set that up as just it was supposed to be a one podcast series of six episodes and it did so well we decided to do a second season and then it was a third and as i say now we're up to season number seven and we've got approaching 100 episodes so yeah it's been a successful endeavor very 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 cool so obviously people can find you there and then traderscorner.co.za and they can find you on on twitter are you also on linkedin or do you not bother i am on linkedin and i am on twitter my twitter's at traders corner that's probably the best yeah. place to get in touch with me fantastic Garth, it's, 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 it's been great. It's been fun. And, uh, you know, again, I think we'll have you on uh, the show again in future to continue sharing your insights. Maybe next time around, we'll get into a couple of views. Uh, but unfortunately, that's where we've got to leave it this week. Uh, for our regular listeners, you know, you'll find us on X. It's at Finance Ghost, at Muhammad Nala, and at Magic Markets Pod. We're also on LinkedIn. Go and follow us on LinkedIn. Engage. Let us know your thoughts. We hope you've enjoyed the show, even though it's slightly longer than the short format we've been going for. I think there's just been so much to unpack. Lots of value. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And my, my parting comment here, Ghost, is you were invited twice on Garth's show because you're more like a trading stock. I was invited once because I'm more like a buy and hold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll let you put whatever spin you want, Mo, but the facts are the facts. Huh? We hope you've enjoyed this until next week. Same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Super. Thanks. We thank our sponsor, B2IT, for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 